Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and at last, a horror movie that delivers on its title. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. It turns out the evil was within us all along. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I can't believe that this year, Jamie Lee Curtis is in one of the best, most thrilling movies of the year. But enough about everything everywhere at all once. <laughs> nice. I, I feel well, like you, you got to qualify that, though, with like, she, she faces an unstoppable enemy, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jeff, come on. You got to work on, come those, on. Boom, this rules. those boom jokes. Yeah. Anyway. Those are, of course, all very vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Halloween Ends, the number one movie at the box office this weekend that's currently also streaming on Peacock. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slash filmcast. Uh, I'm sorry, thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Uh, and also uh, find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash slash filmcast, where we're posting not only our reviews, but also clips from the after dark and you know uh this week we posted a clip from uh the filmcast after dark that uh, the full episodes of which are available at patreon.com slash film podcast and uh there's a comment on youtube.com slash slash filmcast that i thought you guys would appreciate zaka writes this is the first time i've seen the filmcast on video and i must say i'm impressed with the three actors ability to lip sync dave davindra and jeff because while it's abundantly clear that these humans don't produce these voices they successfully leapfrogged the Uncanny Valley to create something altogether, uh, something altogether in the unnatural confluence of audio and video. This is the most innovative cinematic trick since Avatar, end quote. Hey, it costs nearly as much. It's a, it's a small fortune for us to hire those guys. <laughs> yes, that is, a, that is a subtle commentary from Zeka on the fact that they don't think that our voices match our faces. Um, but you, listener, you can decide for yourself whether you agree at youtube.com slash slash filmcast. So the longer this goes where we still get these emails, the more depressing it gets. Because now <laughs> not only not only have they not seen any of our work over the last decades of our lives where we've been on video, but oh, also I mean, multiple yeah, decades at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah Go ahead, but but also they haven't watched like literally the other videos that we've put out just in the last few months. Yes. Oh, a dozen, dozens of videos. And yeah. and I would say probably collectively, Jeff, between me, Devendra, and Jeff Kanata, uh, we've probably cranked out. It's got to be in the thousands of hours of a video, oh, YouTube yeah. easily over the course uh, over the course less easily easily. We might be we might be Malcolm Ga Gladwelling this shit <laughs> at this point. You know, we might be ten k ten k hours, guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and at no point uh, has you know some of our most hardcore fans, yeah, so called fans, yeah. so called fans, watched even a second of right. that 10, like ten thousand hours of video. Unfortunately, nope. But fix that. By becoming a subscriber at <laughs> youtube.com slash slash filmcast. Uh, you have the power. Okay. You too can be mildly disconcerted by our images. Slash filmcast at gmail.com is where people can write in. And Marnie wrote in this email this week to slash filmcast at gmail.com. In response to something that we talked about in the filmcast after dark, which uh, was also posted on youtube.com slash slash filmcast. Uh, Marnie writes, quote, after listening to David Chen discuss his smile viewing experience, I thought I'd chime in with mine. Uh, and I, let me stop here and say the subject line of this email is smile screenings are cursed. It's the children. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marnie writes, I saw a 6.15 p.m. showing in my small hometown with my brother this weekend. 
were both in our early 30s and saw it in a semi-crowded theater of preteens. How they got into an R-rated film is a mystery. But as we sat down, I leaned over to my brother and said, there are a lot of teenagers in here, to which he responded, there are more of them than there are of us, <laughs> which made us both kind of shudder in fear. That's when you get worried. Yeah. As soon as the lights dimmed, we knew we chose the wrong showtime. The preteens talked throughout the whole movie, used their phones, played entire TikToks, yelled and made fart noises. They also inexplicably called every single person that came on screen, daddy. My brother and I didn't say anything until near the end when I finally told them to shut up, but the damage was done. Was this a good movie? I have no idea. I was too busy being angry and feeling old and out of touch. My brother saw one of the boys in the bathroom afterwards and just looked at him in the mirror and said, you're trying too hard. The boy refused to make eye contact and didn't respond. And I'm hoping it'll be a core memory for him. That's great. That I is old. great. I yes. feel old even writing this email, but I legit think the smile viewings are maybe cursed, end quote. Um, so, so yeah, in the after dark, we're trying too hard. You'll That's see so part true. of it. YouTube.com slash slash filmcast. You'll see, hear the old ep- whole episode at patreon.com slash film podcast. But, uh, basically, there's been many instances of smile screenings being a nightmare of a screening, and Marnie writes in with the latest example. But yeah. I just love Th- this, this is the Joker yeah. for for teens, basically, mm, or something. Mm. I don't know. I believe it's just called Joker, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah. No the, no the clear, no the, yeah, just like right. uh, we have water. Yep, <laughs> that's right. Jeff. You really got to get it in there, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, to remind yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. It's when is that coming way, out, Jeff? <laughs> it's the way of water, by the way. For those who don't know, coming this Christmas um, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Christmas. Anyway, I, I just like the idea of yeah looking at the person in the mirror saying you're trying too hard and then hoping it will be a core memory for that person. So <laughs> it's so old person to even like conceive of that as the means of, of retaliation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you totally. gotta you gotta like let their because what is the teen's power, right? It is the the lack of respect for authority, right? The the fact that rules don't apply to them. Guys, they're 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 disaffected, right? So you gotta you gotta hit them. You gotta hit yeah. them somewhere. You gotta hit a critical no, hit somewhere. I, love I feel it. like uh yeah. Yeah, hit, hit them That's where it hurts, which is not which is accusing them of trying too hard. Yeah, they, accusing they, them yeah. of caring. Yeah, they yes. don't want to try at all. How you know? dare yes. you? How dare you accuse me of caring? <laughs> it's like it's like out it's like uh yeah, something something you'd find in Daria, maybe like just mm. outsmarting that person, yeah. Well, I do want to say that Smile is doing gangbusters at the box office. And what is actually amazing is it does appear as though Smile will probably outgross Halloween Ends, which is incredible considering it's not a sort of franchise picture. Uh, you know, it doesn't have any recognizable also, IP. Yeah. It's also not on Peacock right now. Uh, mm. True. True story. Well, it was supposed to be, right? Yeah, it was, was supposed to go story. straight to streaming, but then due to some test screenings that were really mm-hmm. uh, went really well, they Paramount decided to release it in theaters, and it was a really good thing they did because it's a hit. It's probably going to uh, get over a hundred million dollars, which is incredible for a movie that cost I think under twenty million dollars, if I recall correctly. So, uh, all that said, apparently the movie is also cursed. So. <laughs> If you see it in theater, yeah. you might have a bad time. I'm more scared of going to the theater to see this movie than the contents of the movie. <laughs> like that's, that's what terrifies me right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But patreon.com slash film podcast where you can hear that entire discussion uh, and sign up for ad-free episodes and other exclusive After Darks as well. So thanks to all of our patrons who make this podcast possible. All right, folks, let us get in to what we have been watching. And this week... I must open the conversation <laughs> by discussing Ruben Oslin's uh-huh. The Triangle of Sadness. A, a title that I think really just describes the, the apex of what you want from a movie, right? Right, Dave? 
actually like, think uh, I actually what, think it's what, another what it, you know uh-huh. you know coincidence. It was uh, an alternative title for this podcast. Um, yeah, uh-huh. that's true. Uh, describing the three co-hosts, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, it, we barely didn't use it, and the film cast was born instead. So. Uh, but the Triangle Sadness out in limited release right now. Ruben Austin, I don't think you guys have seen Ruben Austin's other movies, which I, are excellent. I've seen what was the the party one? Uh, there was uh, Force Majeure, and then there was uh, The Square. Yeah, I've seen um, The Square. Yeah. Oh, you've seen The Square? That's yeah, a, it's, it's about the art world, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I get his shtick basically, and looking at the trailer for this movie, I didn't unfortunately didn't get a chance to see it, but it seems like that again. Yeah, it's basically like aren't uh, upper middle class people terrible like that's yeah. kind of his whole thing look at and, these rich people suck. yeah look, look at these like rich out of touch people uh the motivation for the triangle of sadness which is his first english language f- uh, film is uh, the the uh idea is like models what a what a weird industry right where uh you are mostly trading off of your good looks to become a model um but because of those good looks uh, it's, it's an extremely short career in general, that models have. Um, and because of those good looks, you are often in the upper echelons of society. Like you are in restaurants that cost a thousand dollars a meal and, uh, you know, yachts, you know, uh, cruises that cost tens of thousands of dollars per person. Um, f- places that average person would never otherwise go in, uh, circles that they would never otherwise run in, but you get to go in because you look good. Uh, and it's that kind of interesting dichotomy, dynamic tension, whatever, that Ruben Austin wanted to explore with the Triangle of Sadness um, that also takes firm aim at rich people. I thought the Triangle of Sadness was pretty great. This is a very fun, delightful movie that I could not have seen where it was going at all. And it, it ends up being a kind of deconstruction of the idea of wealth, in my opinion. Like, isn't wealth and money, aren't these just weird societal constructs? Why do we treat mm-hmm, some people mm-hmm. way better than other people? Because they have this fictional thing we invented called money. Uh, I like that it asks these questions. And there are some really fun, outrageous moments in the Triangle of Sadness. I had a great time. I think it's a little long. It's two and a half hours long. I don't think it really needs to be that long to make its points. But there are just some amazing sequences, and I, I really liked it a lot. Jeff Kanata, you joined me on this boat this week. <laughs> so to speak. I, I, I saw this movie. I was like, Jeff, I think you got to check this out. And so you, you watched Triangle of Sadness. What did you think of this movie? I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> uh, it's, it is the poster child for unsullied uh, viewing because, yes, yes. as you said, <laughs> there is no way to predict where this movie is headed. Yes. And exactly. Uh, yeah. And I, that is the supreme <laughs> delight for me of the movie is just holding on with two hands. And I mean, where this movie starts, yes. <laughs> where this movie ends, it's, it could not be two farther points on a graph. hundred percent, hundred percent. And terms of like, is... even like genre, even like, just, <laughs> yes. just, like yes. tone genre characters. Like it's just like out of, it's out there, you know, it yeah. is a, uh, it is a true ride. Uh, and, yeah. um, that alone, like any movie that can do that to me, that I can just take me, from one point so far afield of where, where it starts <laughs> and and uh, keep me riveted throughout. And like you said, there are sequences where it's like, oh, it goes there. <laughs> it goes. Yes. Uh, yes. And um, 
I just, I thought it was so interesting and had so much to say, you know, uh, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. That kind of thing. Yeah. The, 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 as you eloquently kind of outlined, it's, it's discussion of wealth and wealth inequality and, and what the, you know, what that does to people and, and yeah. what the power structures and sort of, um, you know, the, the, how human beings treat one another uh, in a sort of a pseudo caste system. You know, it's, it's very, very uh, insightful, I think, and, and sharp. Um, and just, as you said, really fun, really fun. And I found the performances all quite good. Um, uh, Woody Harrelson pops up for a minute. In yes. There, you yes. know, He's great. He's a great. It's such a weird role in the movie that he plays. It's so yeah, weird. His section of the movie just feels like this diversion into madness. It, 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 like, there's no way to talk about this movie. It is yeah. really something else and uh, a, a true um, delight. I, I think I, I cherish this kind of experience in the cinema, and it, it is all too rare to just just be taken to a place that you have no idea where you're going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm going to put this out there too, Jeff. I know, you know, and uh, I, I agree with you. This is, I did not watch the trailer before I saw this movie. So that was a, an incredible experience, but also I watched the trailer afterwards, which is something I do very frequently. And the trailer, I don't think gives that much away. It does give away some pretty major scenes, but I don't yeah. think, I still don't think you can predict where the movie is going to end. From I will tell you, I'm just very glad because I had no idea. I mean, I heard Triangle of Sadness and you said you should watch this. And I went, oh, is it going to be a bummer? Is it going to be real sad? Right, I don't know if I'm right. in the mood for that. And yeah. you're like, no. And, <laughs> you know, no is, is the correct answer to that yeah. question. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I truly had no idea what I what I was about to watch. And uh, I mean, the first scene of the movie, I'm just like, oh this is where we are. And then the, it literally like name checks a triangle of sadness. Right. Uh, in the, that's like, the name like, of the movie. They yeah, revealed, like, oh. the, they revealed the, the meaning of the name of the movie. Yeah, in the first pointed scene. to and the so screen at that moment. I feel like, yeah. oh, I kind of have a handle on what this movie is. <laughs> and I did not. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Like at some point, Devinder, after you watch it, we should probably do like a spoiler after dark about it because yeah. there are just so many wonderful yeah sequences that must be discussed i'd be uh, down in, yeah. in, in the movie but uh I, I had such a great time with it and i mean i think that you know I, I brought up that stuff about the models uh and like exploring that world that's really just a jumping off point for it the, really the writer yeah. director right it, and yeah. I, I you know i don't even know if i agree with you that two and a half hours was too long like i mm -hmm. i i just was completely enamored with the experience of hanging out with these people yeah. Uh, throughout and I, and there are there are some scenes that are a little indulgent in insofar <laughs> as you know how long we linger on them but i also kind of love that like i don't i don't know if i have any notes at this point like i just i really i really thought the movie delivered uh on on a just a, a, a crazy experience that made me think like it's not just right it's not just um you know kind of um daring or bizarre for bizarre sake it it it, it really has something to chew on as well i agree completely uh and that is part of ruben austin's style by the way is uh like holding a camera shot for an extremely long time that's kind yeah. of what has been a hallmark of all all, all of his movies at this point right is yeah. like I love it'll be that. like a stationary shot and then he'll let it play out. And then you're, you're like, okay, well that's the end of the scene. And then it will continue playing out for an additional five minutes. Uh, in general, I like it, you know, I, I do yeah. enjoy it. Cause it's like, 
you feel a tension when the camera does not cut. Uh, you're like, why is it your, your body is like expecting a cut and there's no cut. And that definitely happens in this movie and this movie. And he uses it to great effect. And and I also think I also really enjoy um, directors who do that because it lets actors act. Yes. Right. I love yes. I love uh, sitting in a, you know, a medium or a wide and, and just letting the actors act out a whole scene. And that happens quite frequently in this movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I was cackling, cackling with glee watching it several scenes from this. Very movie, funny. So. Yeah, yes, yeah. it is. So, it is very funny. I think. Highly recommend, dark, but funny. Uh, dark, yeah. Uh, highly recommend the Triangle of Sadness. It is out in limited release right now. It's expanding wider in the weeks to come. Uh, it's a great time, as Jeff says. It has something to say, um, and it's it's probably his most accessible movie. It's probably my favorite one of his movies. It's probably the most fun of his movies. I, I really think you should check out his other movies, Jeff. Like, I think you would like them. They're not uh, as fun as this one. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm definitely inclined to do so now. I, I'm, I'm he, this won me over in a big way. So yeah. Yeah. All right. That's triangle sadness. That's one thing I've been watching. We're going to take a quick break and uh, thank some sponsors and we'll be right back uh, with more. The film cast, what we've been watching. Now it's time for a word from our sponsor, better help. Hey, have you ever, gotten stuck focusing on problems instead of solutions. Yeah, that that happens to me all the time is that you start spinning on this notion of, oh my gosh, there's so much to worry about. How am I ever going to handle it all? Instead of taking those problems and thinking about the solution. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem solving mode when faced with a challenge in your life. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. I've found in my own life and in my own marriage, talking to a therapist has done wonders for helping me communicate, helping me stay in the right mindset. It's useful. And if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, better help is a great option. It's convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and then switch therapists anytime if you choose. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com filmcast today and get 10% off your first month. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, betterhelp.com slash filmcast. Okay. Uh, at Davindra's recommendation, question mark? More like uh, uh, prodding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was um, a recommendation. I think you would enjoy this movie. I uh-huh. watched Speak No Evil, <laughs> uh, which is streaming right now on Shudder. This movie debuted at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. I think that's where you saw it, right, Davindra? Yes. If, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, and I tweeted about this morning and I think you saw that tweet. Basically, Mm -hmm. uh, this movie is (laughs) one of two movies, depending on what kind of person you are, right? Uh, it is either a chilling tale about the lengths to which people will go to comply with others in the sake of, uh, for the sake of civility. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it is a movie about people doing really, really stupid things, <laughs> you know, uh, increasingly dumb, not understandable things. Have you guys seen David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Yes. yes. 
There's a scene in that movie that I bring up all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. If you've listened to this podcast or if you're a co-host on this podcast, you've probably heard me talk about it. Yeah. I apologize. They made an entire movie out of that. Scene. Yes. Yeah. I, apo- I apologize for bringing it up again. But basically at the end, of, so spoilers for David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But at the end of the movie, Daniel Craig's character, the journalist, has figured out who the murderer is. <laughs> he has figured out the the person who has done the terrible crimes. And he is creeping outside that person's kitchen, like house, right? Kind of mm-hmm. just like checking in on the person. And then the person discovers him. They're like, hey, Daniel Craig, what are you doing out here in the bushes, hiding, looks creeping on me? Come inside. Let's talk. And Daniel Craig, go, his character goes inside. And of course, the person turns out to be the serial killer. <laughs> and then next thing you know, Daniel Craig has been subdued and he's tied up and he's about to be tortured to death. Who could have um, seen that coming, though? And he, the guy, the serial killer person, makes this comment where he says, why did you come inside? You knew what was going to happen. You knew <laughs> what was going to happen if you came inside. But you did it anyway because the human body wants to resist the feeling of awkwardness so much that it is willing to die in order to do so. Yeah, I, I feel like you have made that scene part of your life philosophy, Dave, to like reject societal oh, norms. 100%. To, to be 100%. a main character in your own curb your enthusiasm. You know, like that's essentially what's happened. 100%, 100%. So if you're like me uh, and you reject society's constraints and norms, then Speak No Evil will not really have that much of an effect on you. But I do acknowledge the movie is really well made, in my opinion. Uh, and I do think it's, I do think it's a thing where people will be polite to their own detriment, right? Mm -hmm, Something mm -hmm. feels wrong, an interaction feels wrong, a situation feels wrong. And you're like, no, gotta be polite. Gotta, gotta maintain civility because I don't want people to think poorly of me. Well, as longtime listeners of this podcast know, I don't care what people think of my opinions. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't express them all the time. Yeah, as longtime friends of David Chen know, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's what the filmmakers wanted to tackle was this idea of um, to what extent do are are we civil to our detriment? It's an interesting mm-hmm. idea. It's an interesting mm-hmm. idea to, to explore. I, the setup of this movie, which uh, I, I, it's not a spoiler to say, like yeah, the, the premise of the movie, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. is is basically these people, this family's on vacation, and they bump into another family, and they have a delightful interaction, and then the other family is like, hey. Come out to the middle of nowhere at this house that we have. Let's hang out for a few days. Yeah, they they, they had fun together at that. Yeah, vacation. we had fun. They both have. This is the thing, and I think it's key to a lot of people. This is a movie about uh, parents, you know, parents you yeah. know, who have children. It's about the difficulty of making friends, <laughs> of making parent friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so yeah. I feel like Jeff. If you watch this movie, I feel like you will uh, you will vibe a lot with what's going on in mm. this movie because. Uh, you find you know, you find other people you like to hang out with, and they have a similarly aged kid to your kids. Like, oh, we can we can actually go back to normal for a little bit. We can hang out with other people and not just be trapped on the playground with our kids or something. So that that is part of the appeal of what what is you know starting off this movie. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say I don't think Jeff would like this movie. <laughs> I'm just gonna go out based on what <laughs> I know about Jeff and his proclivity for upsetting things. Oh, yeah. I don't think this Jeff movie like, will destroy you, Jeff. So, I, I don't yeah. think Jeff would like speak no evil, but yeah. I, I do think the question that is asked is uh, as a parent, right? 
to what degree mm-hmm. are the components of do you find modern life as a parent stultifying and suppressive yeah. of your personhood? Yeah, right? Dave. And you're not, you're not a person anymore. You're you're <laughs> you you have to keep this other being alive. That is your purpose in life. Yeah, yeah. and then to and then to yeah. so to what extent like does modern life as a parent kind of suppress uh, who you are? Mm-hmm. And then to what extent are you willing to go to fight that feeling away? Like to, to what, what will you sacrifice to make that feeling go away? Right. And that's what this movie is asking the question of is like, like, Oh, if, if we, if we could give you the feeling of individuality back, mm-hmm. if we could give you this feeling of friendship and uh, collegiality back to you, yeah. you know, and, and um, freedom. camaraderie, camaraderie, it's really freedom. freedom. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, what would you be willing to sacrifice for that? What would I you, I don't even know if it's about would you be willing to accept? What would you be willing to accept? You right. Know? Right. Like what, what discomfort are you willing to accept for that? Basically. Um, so I, I think it's a fascinating film. It's mm-hmm. deeply upsetting. There's some deeply really upsetting. effed up S in this movie. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not a movie that really deeply resonated with me because there is no way There's in hell no way I would, would end up in, in this situation. situation. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that. I, I've definitely seen I this uh, enter, I, enter with you into, into some extra incredibly awkward situations, Dave. But you know what? Okay. I'll believe you. Oh um, no, no, I, 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 I have definitely entered them. The, yes, I've definitely entered these situations, but I would certainly extricate you would, myself. You would exit as quickly well, as possible. There yeah. is a point in this movie where, you're like, okay, I, I think what this movie does really well is it does ride that line between, okay, are we, are they being jerks, or right, you right. know, or yeah, yeah. are we, would we be more of a jerk to respond negatively to maybe something that's happening, like, you know, the way, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a very cultural different type of movie right it's about a danish family who's like they live in the city they're a little like uh they're a little more stuffy and a dutch family who's a little more freeing and open it's the dutch family that invites them out to their like uh forest cabin type of home like they they live a very different life and it's those incompatibilities of when like oh yeah my wife doesn't uh doesn't really eat meat or anything so please don't serve any of that and then the other couple will just start you know shoving beef towards her or something like disregarding that it's like oh are you are you just not listening or are you just is it right. impolite is, to... is it like a misunderstanding yeah. is yeah, it yeah, yeah. uh is it cultural difference and and i think the movie does a good job of playing with that uncertainty mm-hmm. of to to what extent are we just are we the jerks here you mm-hmm. know or is it just like is something actually wrong but I, the movie comes out on the side of i think trust your gut Something feels Trust wrong. Your gut. Yeah. GTFO. I think it that's is, kind of I, I think the... it is purposefully playing with the whole like, you gotta get out of there mentality. You're <laughs> nope, nope, do not go there. Because th- this is a character where this is a movie where the characters will not hear what you're shouting because mm-hmm. they're just like will they're like lemmings, willingly like walking down the line of you know, doing the things politeness is pushing them to. And I think it's fascinating because of yeah. that. But man, that ending. I we got to talk about this movie at some point. Yeah, we'll like talk deeper. about it at some point. But anyway, yeah. uh, another movie that's similar to this, uh, Compliance, uh, the 2012 thriller yes. by Craig Zobel. Uh, mm-hmm. c- kind of similar themes, very different situation because that's a Compliance is based off of a true story and it also takes place in the U.S. Uh, but both great movies about the extent to which people will go to avoid awkwardness, uh, and mm-hmm. I, f- I find them both fascinating. Um, not a movie I would recommend for the faint-hearted, but it's it's well made in my opinion. It's there's enough interesting stuff about speak no evil for me to 
say it's worth considering if you want to, if any of what we talked about, me and Devendra, sounds fascinating. So yep. that's Speak No Evil. It is streaming right now on AMC Plus and Shudder. Uh, I have an AMC Plus subscription, which is how I watched it. Finally, I just want to mention Hassan Minaj's The King's Jester. This is a storytelling concert film uh, that is currently on Netflix. I loved Hassan Minaj's Homecoming King. That was one mm-hmm. of my top 10 movies of that year. Uh, the King's Jester shows that Hassan Minaj continues to be at the top of his game when it comes to delivering monologues. He knows how to take the mood from deadly serious to uproarious laughter within 10 seconds, and he's expert at it. And he he does what he calls PowerPoint comedy, where there's visuals on this big backdrop behind him as he's talking, and I think it's a really engaging, interesting way to tell a story. I don't think this is quite as good as Homecoming King, which is I still recommend more strongly, which is also on Netflix, I believe. Um I mean, this is this is basically about like uh, what happened after he got famous, right? Like he he is mm-hmm. now he's hosted a Netflix show called Patriot Act, and he's a really well known, famous, popular comedian now. Uh, and it's kind of more from that perspective. Whereas Homecoming King was more his origin story. It's like um, this is like his uh, extras as com- uh, compared to his The Office. You know, what I'm saying Ricky Gervais extras versus the office um but it's still very good it's still very funny and it's still a master storyteller at the top of his game in my opinion so i'd recommend it uh check it out it's hassan minaj's the king's jester it's streaming right now on netflix devendra hardwar what are some things you've been watching oh a bunch of things i'll probably be a little quick because i'm still like recovering from this like cold that's taken forever um but i've been checking out the midnight club the latest mike flanagan show that's over on netflix and the latest entry to the flaniverse as it's now being called yeah i I love it i love every year guys every year around spooky times we get a new mike flanagan show to dive into and i don't know how this guy does it because how this yeah here's the thing i'm sorry to interrupt but like uh midnight mass that is yep. a thing that, like, if you imagine 20 years ago, if that came out, mm-hmm. we would be talking about that for years. It would be like I, the wire of... I still think of it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. And, you know, we we gave it its due on this podcast. Like, I think we devoted a full review to it, yes, if I recall correctly. Yes, yes, I'm so glad we did that to honor that show. But it's like, that's like one of the greatest TV shows I've ever seen. Incredible. And, uh, and it's like, oh, it just feels like we're on to the next thing. We're not kind of like... Yeah, People we don't aren't have like time reflecting to, on it in yeah. the same way that they would like The Wire or The Sopranos, hey man, which continues to be talked about. You know? At least Midnight Mass like got got a decent amount of conversation and stuff. I'm still over here telling people to watch freaking Underground Railroad. Underground Railroad on Prime Video. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, fair enough. Fair enough, Devin. Okay, so anyway, uh, Midnight Mass. You should go check it out. Check out our episode about it. But, but the, the Midnight say, Club. Yeah, go ahead. I feel like that about. Um, I feel like this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Every time I watch a Mike Flanagan thing, like I I'm just so fully on board. With the way he tells stories and specifically like horror stories, he is um, definitely like one of the best people around right now at adapting Stephen King. I love Dr. Sleep. I love the director's cut of Dr. Sleep even more. On Netflix, he did The Haunting of Hill House, which was fantastic, and also The Haunting of Bly Manor. But both, both incredible, incredible, like just haunted house shows. Gerald's Games over there too. Uh, Hush, Oculus, like... I, all of his movies, I think, are worth watching. All of his like productions. Midnight Club um, is another haunted house type of series, except uh, it is based on the works of Christopher Pike. And I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with this man, but I feel like, um, you know, for, for people who like spooky books, uh, you would graduate from R.L. Stein to Christopher Pike. 
at some point because Pike was a little more adult. He'd do about, you know, he'd write about teenagers. And uh, honestly, he had more adult stories too. Arl Stein did have like Fear Street and stuff, but to even to me, that felt a little. I still felt like he was he was like writing down to a younger audience at times. So I love Christopher Pike. I've I've always like I think a uh, season of Passage is a is a great like sci-fi book he did that's also sci-fi horror. Um, so I was really excited to see the combination of an author I really love and a director I really love. Uh, I am about halfway through the Midnight Club. And I have to say, um, it is it is fantastic. It is not quite the same as all of the other haunted house stories. Like I don't think. It's not really as scary, but it does a lot of great character work. Like once again, it's a whole bunch of characters stuck in a really weird situation and you learn more about these people and you start to care about these people. And what's key to this show is that it is about a group of uh, eight teenagers who are in um, like a hospice and they're also all terminally ill. So these aren't people... These are people who are basically like thinking about death constantly and thinking about the the end of their lives coming up and dealing with death all the time, who are also exploring the history of this uh, this manner, which, yeah, there, there are some ghosts. There, there's some weird, spooky stuff going on. I think it's uh, all pretty fantastic so far. It is not quite the same as the other shows. I think it's maybe you'd call it maybe a little more YA or something. But to me, that is not a downside. I think it's just a different way of telling these types of stories. I love it. And I believe Mike Flanagan is um is working another Christopher Pike adaptation. I need to look this up, but I remember he either he or somebody else was talking about doing season of passage. Um so yeah, love 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 Flanagan. Love that he's doing this. Uh, everybody check it out and check out all of his stuff because most of his work is on Netflix right now. Very cool. Uh, glad to hear you liked it. The Midnight Club is streaming on Netflix. And yeah, uh, it looks like it is him doing sh- Season of Passage as well, Devendra. Um, I, I cannot wait. You you guys think Event Horizon is scary? Okay. Um, yeah, I think that that one is going to be, is going to kind of like blow your minds then, especially with Mike Flanagan behind it. What else you have been watching, Devendra? I finished She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Um, it kind of, I've been watching it in spurts mostly because I've been working a lot, uh, but it's also something I've been watching with my wife and I have to say, um, I kind of wish they just like dumped this whole show all at once. Cause I do think binging it and watching a couple episodes at once, um, is a better overall experience rather than watching it week to week because the week to week, uh, following of the show, like wasn't super strong. I feel like early on it could have been funnier there. There are just like issues with it i didn't quite uh i didn't quite like appreciate um but i think overall the overall you know experience of the season i had a lot of fun with it i think tatiana maslani is fantastic and the show is at least saying things even if it's uh messy at times and you know we could talk about that finale at some point i think i think that was kind of a fun way of dealing with the mess of a marvel finale uh maybe 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 to like uh I don't know, maybe a little too cloying about it, but I actually prefer that to where that finale, that finale probably would have gone under another showrunner. So I really enjoyed She-Hulk, but I hope they, uh, they make it bingeable next time. I completely agree about the bingeable component. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the show's issues would have been honestly way easier to overlook if it was released all at once or, or if they had released it in chunks, like, you know, released two episodes a week or something along those lines. Um, Jeff Kanata, you finished She-Hulk as well. What did you think of it? I really enjoyed the the show all the way through, mm-hmm. um, and I thought the finale was a delight. I, I just I thought it was so much fun, uh, kept in the spirit of of how that character has been depicted in the comics, which is you know fourth wall breaking and 
and meta and self-referential. Um, and I just, I, I, I had a great time with that show. I always looked forward to the new episode dropping and I watched it really, really fast, which is not something I can say with all of the Marvel TV shows. Um, That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that, I think they, they have gotten better and better. I mean, um, WandaVision, uh, Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, it, it, they have been really, really strong. And I think, I think as it's gone on, they've been a little more daring, a little more interesting, a little more willing to do something different. And uh, I really have enjoyed uh, the last few offerings. That's She-Hulk Attorney at Law. It's streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. Devinder, what else have you been watching? Just wanted to quickly shout out the, these next few things. But the season two of Los Espookies is over on HBO Max now. It started back in September. I meant to shout it out earlier. This is the Julio Torres uh, show about uh, people who love to create like spooky situations. Like uh, people would hire them to make uh, a, a spooky thing for a party or to scare somebody. Um, it is both like B grade horror, but it's also like a really campy, funny comedy show. Fred Armisen is one of the co-creators. He's also plays a character in the show who is, very good at valet parking. That is his superpower. It is a very weird show. This is a show where characters can randomly, you know, uh, while they're on an adventure, maybe, maybe they're out at night and they, they need a little more light. They can commune with the spirit of the moon to shine a little more light in this specific area. It is very weird, but I kind of love it. And I think it's hilarious. So it is, uh, it, it's really good. I think you should be checking out. It's also Really interesting to see, too, because it's a mostly Spanish language show uh, for the Fred Armisen sections. Like occasionally they, you know, they would like be mainly English. But I really also think it's kind of fascinating as like a hybrid show coming out of HBO. If you if you like uh, what we do in the shadows, if you like a bit of horror comedy, Los Spookies is something you should definitely be watching. I have heard Los Spookies is a lot of fun. Uh, so good. HBO Max, right? Is that where yep. it is? Yeah. Yep. Season two streaming right now on HBO Max. Uh, Devendra, I am curious about this next thing on your what we've been watching. Um, obviously, the launch of Cyberpunk on PC and all video game consoles was not smooth. It's since gotten a lot better as a game. Um, but there was a huge bump uh, when this series, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, hit Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, is this any good? We've seen animated yeah. shows based off of video games before. Like, uh, what was it? The... Um, what was that when we did the full review on uh, the League of Legends, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget the exact actual title Arcane. of that. Arcane. Arcane. Yeah, Arcane. Yeah. Awesome. That was good. Amazing. Amazing uh, show. So is uh, Cyberpunk Edgerunners the Arcane for the Cyberpunk world? What do you think? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if it's quite at that level, but I think it's very, very good. This is straight up like, what if you took the Cyberpunk world and just like made it anime? You know, mm. which... A lot of anime has like has explored cyberpunk themes, like back to Akira, back to Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, it is. It is kind of coming full circle. Um, I do love that it gives uh, the creator of cyberpunk, Mike Pondsmith, a shout out, like right in the opening credits. Um, yeah, this is a series set in the universe of the cyberpunk, you know, twenty forty nine game. Um, so there's a lot of like similar locations and like just the environment will look familiar. Uh, but I think it does a great job of. Uh, telling a new kind of story it's about a kid who uh finds himself uh he gets a body modification to keep up with other kids in his high school and uh things go bad for him and he ends up becoming like a, a mercenary and i think it is a great exploration of this world the animation is fantastic it's by studio trigger who anime fans would know like they they, they make like some fluid looking 
great, uh, you know, just great action animation type stuff. Um, there's a lot of great action here, a lot of great detail in the animation. I think the overall story too is really compelling because it's about a street kid trying to survive in this like um, this world that's just like dominated by hyper capitalism. And it's something the game kind of dealt with, but I think this sh- this show is doing it better. So yeah, I'd recommend checking it out. Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Uh, it's a great thing for anime fans. I feel like if you're new to anime, it it will probably feel a little messy just in the way it tells the story. But I think as an anime series, it's uh, pretty solid. Cool. That is Cyberpunk Edge Runner. Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It's streaming right now on Netflix. Devendra, you also had a chance to check out one other anime uh, show, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, this is another show. Uh, I saw it on Hulu, uh, but it's called Chainsaw Man. And what if there was a chainsaw man? Okay. <laughs> it's like literally has a chainsaw for a head, right? He has a chainsaw for head and chainsaw for hands. What if you take the idea of uh, Ash from Evil Dead sticking a chainsaw on his hand and just like take it to its logical conclusion? And uh, I, I, I love it. This is a new anime series. It's been hyped up for a while. Um, it is based on a very popular manga. It is also actually very similar to Cyberpunk Edge Runners in that it's about capitalism and how it's destroying us. Basically, it's about it's about somebody who uh, is a demon hunter. You know, early on in the series, um, they have a cute little uh, demon dog that also can become a chainsaw. And uh, you know, one thing leads to another, and he becomes a chainsaw man. And it is a show that is both very brutal because it's about uh, it's about you know, chasing demons and, you know, killing these grotesque looking things. But it's also about somebody doing this because they have, you know, a crushing debt on their life that they'll never be able to repay. Um, It it juggles a bunch of things really well. I think also, uh, yeah, very, very anime. I feel like if if you're not used to like with the the tonal changes and the sheer amount of gore that you can, uh, that's possible with animation, uh, the show may be a bit of a turnoff. I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, if you just want to see a chainsaw man, you want to see a man like rip through dozens and dozens of zombies uh, as a chainsaw. Uh, I think I think it's a lot of fun. So chainsaw man, uh, I think it's worth the hype. I seem to see a lot of the, re- uh, the reviews going around now are pretty solid from an- anime fans. I don't have as much time these days to watch new anime shows, but I'm glad I saw this one. I'll keep up on it. It's over on Hulu, but I believe it's going to be on Crunchyroll and a couple other things, too. Cool. The title mm-hmm. of the show is Chainsaw Man. Uh, looks like a really cool concept. I'll try to check I, it the out. The way I found out about this existing at all was uh, <laughs> my my Lego Instagram accounts that I follow. <laughs> Somebody made Chainsaw Man out of Lego. And I no, was like, man, what? Don't, don't let your that? kids see that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you can watch Chainsaw Man on Hulu. And that is what the Vineyard Hardware has been watching. Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor. Hello Fresh. I love Hello Fresh. Holy moly, I've been using Hello Fresh for years and years now. Maybe it was it like 5, 6 years I've been using Hello Fresh as a subscriber, as a paid subscriber myself. Because I value the experience of getting farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes that are delivered right to my doorstep. Oh my gosh, I don't have to go to the grocery store. I can count on Hello Fresh to make home cooking easy and fun and affordable and that's why it's america's number one meal kit it's that's why it's my number one meal kit it's why i've been using hellofresh for years i subscribe to hellofresh for a number of reasons uh one of them 
is it's 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping too. So you want to save money in the fall, this fall? Yeah, great and easy way to do it. And easy is the name of the game. It works with your ever-changing schedule. Plans are flexible and you can choose your meals every week, update your preferences, change your delivery day, all on the HelloFresh app. I use it. I love it. It's so awesome to decide a few weeks in advance what meals I'm going to get. Choosing from those so many meals to choose from. Awesome. Quick and easy meals like their 20-minute recipes, their low prep and easy cleanup options. You can just spend less time in the kitchen, more time with your loved ones. And you get them a home-cooked meal. I have so much joy giving my family a home-cooked meal that I'm preparing in front of them. I know what ingredients are in them. The HelloFresh ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in less than seven days. So you know they're fresh. And the pre-portioned ingredients make cooking easy. And then they also cut down on food waste. You're not throwing away a bunch of excess ingredients. So many great reasons to try HelloFresh. And we're going to make it super easy for you as well. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Filmcast65 and use the code Filmcast65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash filmcast 65 and then use the code filmcast65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Jeff Kanata, what have you watched this week? I have uh, checked out a couple of new shows. Uh, one of them is a show called The Watcher. Uh, and it is yes, on. This is like a huge hit on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Is it a huge mm-hmm. hit? I. It's like I think in the top ten, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, so. I'll tell you what made me watch it uh, was the cast. It's like yes. every great character actor you could possibly imagine in one show. So Naomi Watts and uh, Bobby Bobby Cannavale are sort of the main characters, but it's got listen to this: Richard Kind, whom I love, uh, Christopher McDonald, who is Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. Uh, Margot Martindale, Mia Farrow. Acclaimed character actress Margot Martindale. Yeah. Jennifer Coolidge. I mean, these are like, uh, it's like a, a, a murderer's row of scene stealers, you know? So uh, I was like, oh, got all that talent in there. I'm going to check this show out. Uh, I believe I'm three episodes in. Uh, these are our episodes. Uh, I have no idea what the, the hell's going on in this show. <laughs> But I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Fascinated by it. So the the idea here is that uh, Bobby Cannavale and uh, Naomi Watts have purchased their dream home. They kind of leveraged all of their savings and purchased this this incredible house on a lake. Um, and uh, there's a lot of weird shit around the house. <laughs> uh, the house itself, uh, not super weird. It's literally everyone in the neighborhood. And I have no no idea what's going on, but it seems to me that literally everyone wants them to sell their house and they're going to go stop at nothing to creep them out and make them want to sell their house. It, 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 everyone they encounter acts weird. Um, Margot Martindale and Richard Kind like sit across the street and just stare at their house all the time. And then they start getting these letters from someone identifying themselves as uh, the watcher uh, talking about all the stuff about the, like they've been watching them and and it, it's super creepy. It's real bizarre. 
it feels, you know, it, it feels more like a Twin Peaks kind of a world where everything is weird, not just a few things, you know, not just mm-hmm. there's not just one weird supernatural on it. It's like everything's weird. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm fascinated by it. I am really worried that it's not going to add up to anything, um, but um, I'm I'm sticking with it. We're going to see how far this rabbit hole goes and what's at the end of it. It is a Ryan Murphy show, so yeah, you know, fair fair warning. It does it does feel like he wants to redo the first season of American Horror Story, right. which was essentially just Halloween mm-hmm. in a weird way. So, yeah, that was yeah. the season I liked. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the Michael Haneke movie Cachet. Davinder, have you seen that one? I've not seen that one. Okay, it's it, kind of a similar concept where it's playing with this idea of theoretically you're supposed to feel very safe in a suburban environment, but actually, what if there are sinister forces all around you? Kind of deal, um, but with a Henneke twist in that mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, w- would recommend that movie as well. But Jeff, how far into The Watcher are you? I, I think three episodes is what we've watched so far, and uh, all right, you know, it's a limited series, so it's. I don't think this is intended to have multiple seasons. I think it's yeah. just. Yeah, one based so. off of a true story, as far as I uh, well, that's what it says. But I don't know. <laughs> right. they, yeah, changed, they changed the detail. They changed a lot of the details to make think, it unrecognizable. Yeah. yeah, based is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence. Yeah, there once yeah. was a house. Yeah, <laughs> based on a true story. Yeah, Jeff, what else have you been watching? Uh, I also checked out a new FX show on Hulu called Welcome to Wexham. This you can describe very very easily as uh, what if Ted Lasso but real. Um, the idea between Welcome to Wexham is that uh, Rob McElhaney from, um, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Ryan Murphy, not Ryan Murphy, Ryan Reynolds, excuse me, Ryan Reynolds from Deadpool and many other things, uh, go in on purchasing an English football club, the Wexham somethings. Um, and uh, they, this is a very bottom, bottom of the barrel a uh, uh, soccer club, a football club, uh, and their goal is to bring it up into the Premier League. Now, this is something I knew from Ted Lasso, and I knew sort of just in general, but I didn't really, it wasn't really explained to me in a way that was compelling until watching Welcome to Wexham, which is, what's so brilliant about the the English football structure uh, is that you can move up. You can be a like a a terrible like community team, but if you win enough, you can move up into the the Premier League, which is like the most professional like multi million dollar sports league. You just all you have to do is win. It's there's nothing like that in in America. There's nothing comparable in America where it'd be like you know my Pop Warner football team. If we won enough, could be in the NFL. You know, right, just by winning. Right. Just, yeah. just purely by winning, like the, the, there's these strat, these you know strata of teams, and the top teams in the strata each year, the the top winning team moves up into the next tier of teams, and the bottom ones move down. So there's con- there's this constant movement, and there's this incentive to move up and and to to win, and you can have these teams that start from nothing and end up. You know the you know playing in the in the actual big leagues. It's a wild, really cool thing, and I makes me understand why people are so passionate about it. Well, the idea here is that these these two American uh, actors uh, are going to try to come into this thing that they have no experience in, 
and uh, just try to, to try to motivate the team and, in, you know, inject a lot of money and try to move it up. It's a documentary series. Uh, it, you know, it benefits a lot from the inherent charm of Rob McElhaney and Ryan Murphy. Or, I keep doing that. Ryan Reynolds. Um, Davinder, you put that name in my head and I can't get it out. Um, but uh, so <laughs> he owns TV, man. Like you can't escape it. He's everywhere. <laughs> right. uh, but and and I I happen to find those two guys very charming. If you don't find those two guys charming, yeah, I think that you would not enjoy this show nearly as much as I do. But the, I find them very fun. A lot of the show, it, you know, is is kind of just hanging out with those two guys, and they didn't really know each other before they went in on this endeavor together, and so you kind of see their friendship blossoming, and it's a delight. But also, the show does a really good job at conveying to an American audience what is so special about a sport that I'm not really particularly invested in as an American. You know, it's the biggest sport in the world, but we Americans oftentimes, you know, don't don't pay much attention to it. And I think it, it conveys what, why it's special, why it means a lot to a lot of people overseas and focuses a lot on the community around the team. So this is a, I think a really smart angle that this documentary takes where you have these huge movie stars and TV stars at the center of this story and you get to, you know, sort of hang the hang the premise on those personalities but it also spends a lot of time hanging out with like just some random fans of the of the football club that that have lived in this town their whole lives and have rooted for this 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 team their whole lives and it, you you really see what sports meet can mean to people and can mean to a community and i, I it does a really i think wonderful job of wrapping it in a tale of sort of working class um, uh, fans. You know, it really, it, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And, and very much in that style of Ted Lasso, which is, you know, it's kind of wholesome and positive. And, and um, I highly recommend Welcome to Wexham. I've been enjoying it a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a delight. It sounds like a, a, a fun delight. It really is. It's kind like of what the, it sounds like. The palate cleanser of TV shows, you know, just mm -hmm. in the same way that Ted Lasso was for me. Like when I was feeling down, I watched an episode of Ted Lasso and I kind of feel pretty good. And this is that, but real, it's like real people and real, you know, real situations. And it, it's, I think they did a really wonderful job in putting it together. And, uh, I, yeah, I think it's great. I, I like how my choice this week is uh, Speak No Evil, one of the most upsetting movies of the year. Yeah. Mm -hmm, and Jeff's mm -hmm. like, hey, what about this movie where people hang out and try to feel good? Yeah. You know? Attracts. <laughs> Attracts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, all, it all makes sense. Anyway, that is what we've been watching this week. Let's get to Weekly Plugs. Weekly Plugs, a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been watching. Or something else we've been creating, I should say. Sometimes, like the wiring of, of my podcast hosting gets redone yeah. and crossed. Mm -hmm. You know, I blame mm -hmm. Ryan Murphy. Yeah, <laughs> I blame too many I, TV shows that guy has. I blame know? Reynolds I, Murphy uh, personally. <laughs> but anyway, uh, okay, Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power. Uh, I have been recapping the show with Don Marshall, aka the obscure Lord of the Rings facts guy, over on Decoding TV. We covered the finale this week on uh, the Decoding TV podcast. Check it out at podcast.decodingtv.com. 
I gotta say, I feel like the reaction to the show online, from what I've seen, has been quite polarized. Um, but I don't know mm. what your guys' experience has been. I, yeah, I haven't fully um, it has up, been polarized, yeah. but I, I keep professing my love for the show, and I get a lot of pushback from people, and I, mm. I it baffles me because I think the yeah. show is just phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't. But uh, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to hear what I have to say about it, uh, check it out at Decoding TV with Don Marshall. Um, and we'll link to it in the show notes, but it's at podcast.decodingtv.com. Divinger Hardwar, you have yeah. had a busy, busy... It's Techtober, baby. It's it Techtober. is a busy I'm time dying. for you, isn't it? It's it's super crazy busy. Uh, I spent uh, a week and a weekend reviewing NVIDIA's RTX 4090, the crazy $1,600 you know, video card. So that's over on Gadget. So go, go check it out and uh, read about why you probably shouldn't buy that even though you're probably really tempted. And also, I was in New York for two days to check out all of Microsoft's new Surface stuff, which honestly is just like kind of mostly disappointing. I don't know what's going on over there. But we did engage a podcast episode about that. So if you want to learn about the Surface Pro 9, the Laptop 5, and the Studio 2 Plus, um, you, can, you can check out that episode of the Engadget Podcast. All right. And Jeff Kanata, how about you? Well, uh, I uh, I do a number of other podcasts, one of which is a science podcast, actually a science comedy podcast, where we uh, we talk about really, I think, fascinating uh, science topics, uh, anthropology, um, all, all kinds of, of different, um, uh, not not the above the uh, above the fold news stories, but below the fold stuff you have to dig into, uh, and then we uh, we kind of make fun of it and make fun of ourselves and talk about the the things that uh, make us uncomfortable or fascinated about it. Uh, it's a show called We Have Concerns. Uh, you can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. My co-host for that show is Anthony Carboni, who you may know from Star Wars hosting duties and all kinds of other things. Uh, he's awesome. He's hilarious. Uh, and uh, the most recent episode is about the origins of mucus. So I don't know. I probably should just start it with that. I don't know what else I need to say. Mucus, if you want to learn about why mucus exists mm. you should you have a podcast episode about it. it's pretty yeah. funny and fun yeah check it out also, at we have concerns.com also a topic we covered on this week's after dark as well um so lo- lots about mucus to discuss yeah i mean th- i've no. got a lot of personal experience going on right now so i can yeah. tell you guys all about it <laughs> uh check out we have concerns all right uh quick plugs for this podcast you can use the hashtag slash tag to recommend stuff for us to watch each week it often helps us create uh what is in the what we've been watching section you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com and support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, uh, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. There's a lot of easy ways to support us for free. Share about this podcast on your social media. Subscribe to our Twitters and our YouTubes and share about those as well. And also leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts can be found. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much to everyone who supports us in any way. Uh, it is what helps to keep us going. Let's get to our review of Halloween Ends. Come on, let's go. You are listening to or watching The Filmcast, and today we are going to be discussing Halloween Ends, the latest conclusion to the Halloween trilogy, of which there have been 
many Halloween movies. And there, the there's never going to be another such. one. It's right there in the title. No, I think it, uh, certainly. I, I mean, this one made hundreds of millions of dollars, so they're definitely not going to make any more of these. Uh, but yeah, they, they're probably going to make more. The uh, IMDb plot summary reads. The saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode comes to a spine-chilling climax in this final installment of this trilogy, end quote. So this promises to be the conclusion of the Michael Myers-Laurie Strode story that began so long ago with the very first Halloween movie um, that obviously created the character of Michael Myers and has inspired generations of horror fans. Let's start with this question, Devendra. Did you find this to be a worthy conclusion? To the Laurie Strode story. You know what? Yes. I, I did okay. find that. Uh, I also found this movie to be a lot of other things. Uh, <laughs> as I was watching, I was like, oh, man. Dave. Dave and Jeff will probably hate this movie. Mm-hmm. Because it mm-hmm. is so weird and so bonkers. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I can go on with my full review. Yeah, please. Please. So, so yeah. you, you thought it was a satisfying conclusion? What did you think of the rest of the movie, Devendra? Uh, I mean, satisfying in the sense that uh, I think since this fir- the first reboot movie from David Gordon Green, so what was that, 2018? Yeah. We, we've been kind of waiting for this, and they've been kind of selling it, too. And that movie uh, you know, gave us Laurie Strode as a you know, super badass person who's been shaped by trauma and is living in this crazy you know, cabin, is ready to like go fight Michael Myers at any turn. Didn't work out so well. Um, that last movie that we reviewed, I still am reeling at how, how kind of like wild that movie got. Uh, but I do think this movie puts this trilogy, like it kind of gives the trilogy a shape, you know, and, uh, kind of makes the middle movie make more sense. Even if I didn't care about, uh, the crowd dynamics, I didn't care about, you know, uh, crowds going crazy in a Halloween story. Um, but I, I think this movie is just really interesting and really weird and really bonkers. Like it kept surprising me. It keep it kept making me say, "What what the hell is happening?" And I wouldn't call it a perfect movie, but I do think it's a really interesting one because they kind of took this franchise, which has been done so many times, and we've seen the story over and over again to the point where they have to mix up the timelines. They have to like, okay, okay, this one's another sequel to Halloween two. Forget about those Rob Zombie movies. Like we we are just in a mess of this franchise. Whereas this one is just like, hey. What if, what if we kind of take a core idea, let's deal with the the notion of evil and how it's born and maybe how it manifests and how it uh, transfers um, and how a society also treats somebody who they view as evil and how that ends up shaping them. Uh, this movie is juggling a lot of ideas. I think it's really silly at times. Uh, characters don't always act like human beings, but I also think it's really interesting. Like I, I had a lot of fun watching it to the point where you get to the ending and it's like, okay, there, there are certain things about that that I find pretty damn satisfying, especially since you guys made so much fun of me for talking about my crazy idea to chop off Michael Myers head. Oh, you have this, you have this notorious serial killer just lay in there. You're not going to do the, the finishing blow. <laughs> How many movies have we spent dealing with that? So anyway, this movie kind of also reckons with that whole thing too, which I found a lot of fun. Um, I think this movie is bonkers and it has more soul and more energy than the last two Halloween movies. It's, it's a messy, it's a mess. It's fine. Um, but I also think it's a really entertaining mess and that makes me just really kind of dig it. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Halloween ends. Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts on Halloween ends are best summed up in the form of a limerick. 
Finding an end must be daunting. Michael Myers for decades was haunting. But this ain't Halloween till the final 15 when it finally becomes what we're wanting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's 15 minutes of a good movie is what you're saying. 15 minutes. I mean, I know that Devendra uh, always loves movies that take a big swing. Yes. And you can't argue sure. that this movie doesn't take a big swing. But it's multiple, taking a big, multiple big swings, I would argue. It's multiple taking big a big swing in the wrong sport. <laughs> Who made you the referee? <laughs> Halloween movie. It's Come playing on. cricket when we want baseball. <laughs> exactly. We had sure, two sure. movies <laughs> of baseball, and then we're like, nah, how about cricket now? How about two boring movies of baseball? We're like, I desperately want something different. Can I can I change the channel to another sport, please? This Maybe. Movie really does I mean, yeah. I, I think that's a fair assessment. And if that was your feeling of the first two movies, then this probably does feel like a breath of fresh air. To me, this is the rise of Skywalker of the Halloween trilogy, where it yeah. just goes, we're doing, we'll, fuck all that stuff. We're doing this. When I was like, hey, it would be really cool if uh, we had, you know, this, we've been building up this trilogy and we've got this, we, you know, it's Halloween ends, right? Okay. We, you set out to make three movies and here's the third one that's really going to put a, a conclusion on the first two experiences that we had of this reboot series of trilogy. But it, it, it just doesn't seem to give a crap about any of that. It, it just wants to reinvent itself to be something completely different, which is fine. Like make that movie. If you want to make that movie, make that movie, but don't tell me this is the, con the thrilling conclusion of this trilogy. Cause it doesn't feel like that until the last 15 <laughs> minutes of the movie. And I, I it baffles me because like, I, I just like, what do we do? Why do I care about any of this? Listen, Why are don't you care about Corey? Everybody's favorite Halloween character, <laughs> yes. Corey. Corey, yeah. That guy, Corey. The, and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, Laurie Strode is acting in a way that wasn't set up at all in the first two movies. It's uh -huh. like, it's doing its own thing. It, mm -hmm. it is so weird to me. And I kept just sitting there going, <laughs> Why? Why? And Michael Myers doesn't act like he's ever acted before in any of the movies. <laughs> and we hang out with him very little. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I go to a Halloween movie, especially the one called <laughs> Halloween Ends. I don't know. To see Michael Myers do some, any, literally anything. Eventually, I, it, eventually there will be some Michael Myers in this Michael Myers eventually. horror film. Yes, in the like thrilling he, conclusion to the Laurie Strode Michael yeah. Myer, Myers tale, maybe have, I don't know, Michael Myers in it at any point. I, I feel I like will, he, he's kind of a one-trick pony, right? We we have seen Michael Myers, Michael Myers all, all over the place. So I don't know. I, I was looking for something a little different, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to share some of my thoughts about Halloween Ends. But first, I want to say that we just had a really... Big issue with our recording program, uh, and this is the latest of many issues with our recording program. So if we sound and look different than how we just looked five seconds ago, that's why. Uh, sorry about that, but we're going to press on and finish the review anyway. So Halloween ends. I agree with what you're saying, Jeff, about how they've marketed this movie. Um, I played a trailer for this movie on the podcast version of uh, the, the film cast. And it's a, it's a really weird trailer, first of all, because yeah. they don't do anything to tell you that that is 
the the title of that YouTube video was Halloween Ends Official Trailer. So this is not yeah. some like ten second teaser that was released like eight months ago. And that's the and, one with Michael Myers was creeping up on Laurie, right? He's creeping up on Laurie, yeah. and Laurie and him are like fighting. And that's the whole. That's the whole yeah. trailer. That's, that's the whole the trailer. trailer. There's nothing else about what the story of this movie is, or who is, are the characters uh-huh, in it, or uh-huh. whatever. And I think they tune knew... in to see the <laughs> thrilling conclusion of these two characters. Right. Exactly. And I think they knew that if they. It is a case where I think the marketing is very deceptive. I think yeah. they're they're marketing one thing, and then the movie is actually something very different. But not not just marketing like the title, the fact that it's the third of this trilogy. <laughs> it's the, yes. the it's like it's not just yeah. marketing; it's the entire thrust of the endeavor to me. Sure. I, sure. I sure. thought you guys liked surprises. I thought you liked <laughs> surprise. Yeah. You thought yeah, yeah. I thought the trailers gave away everything, guys. This is a trailer that is deliberately hiding the movie from you. So yes, it is deceptive. But I, I don't know. My person, maybe it's my personality, but I was just cackling. It's like, oh, the, the pre-title sequence of this movie is just like something nobody expected. I mean, um, the, the the pre the pre-title yeah. sequence is awesome in this. And movie, there, there's a point opinion. where the guy Corey just looks at the camera and is like, "This is Halloween. We're gonna have a great <laughs> time." And I was like, oh. This movie is just going to mess with us. And mm-hmm. I was just like strapped in for that ride. But I can fully understand. Like, yeah, it, 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 it's not for everybody. Yeah. It does take some big swings. And in spoilers, in just a moment, we'll talk about how successfully some of those big swings land. Um, I, I am ultimately grateful that it does try to do something different, right? Like, we, we all want movies to do something different. And, uh, and so I give it a lot of points for that. Um, but... I don't think it delivers on a the promise of a conclusion to Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, and b what people in general are looking for from Halloween movies, which is like it, Halloween Kills. I think we had a lot of problems with that movie, if I recall correctly. But what yes. you cannot dispute is that Halloween Kills had some great kills, right? Like, regard like r- regardless of how bad <laughs> the, title, the movie is, title correct, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and this one was arguably correct as well, but like. Uh, this movie, I don't think, really delivers on the great kills. In no, life, right, and mm. so there's there's a there's a couple of okay kills, I mean, but like a couple of good ones. Com- compare it to the Halloween kills, yeah. and like the kills in that movie are way better, way more interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's a there's I think there's a sequence in this movie at the beginning of the sequence where the, at the beginning of the movie where they like flash back to all the people that died in Halloween. Yeah. Kills, if I recall correctly, yeah. and yeah, those kills were way cooler than this movie, if you recall. <laughs> so and you wait, you, know. you wait an hour until. Anything even remotely interesting on that front happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah. did we miss a child falling from four floors? Their neck yeah. snaps and they bounce off of the floor <laughs> and just curdle in the pool of their own blood in the first like four minutes of this movie? I don't know. There are some things. All right. Well, yeah. uh, we're going to have to agree to disagree on some things, obviously, but uh, I was pretty disappointed by this movie. But I, I do think that. There's been a lot of discourse online uh, mm-hmm. this week on film Twitter about this movie. And specifically, uh, this movie has, has very polarizing. Like, a lot of people are like, this is great. And other people saying, this is terrible. And I, re- I remember I saw one tweet that's like, can we just fast forward to the part where people start tweeting about Halloween ends as a misunderstood masterpiece? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, That's I, all I'm doing, guys. That's all I, I do. <laughs> I do think that because of how ambitious this movie is and because of how different it is that we probably will look back on it as like, mm-hmm. that was a pretty interesting movie. I, I don't think it delivers what people were looking for mm-hmm. and are looking for in a Halloween movie. 
Um, but I think that its sheer ambition is so high that it's probably going to land some hits, and that will yeah. probably give it points in the long run uh, as we think back on all the vast works of Halloween films. So I you got to yeah. compare it to some of those Halloween sequels. And I have very little memory. Like, Seasons of Witch, I think, is, is kind of fun, and that one has been reconsidered as now a really interesting sequel. But the vast majority of them, I, I don't care about the Rob Zombie movies. I don't care about a lot of them, you know? Whereas this one's like, oh... I, I am, you know, I, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio in, uh, in Django. It's like, oh, now you, you have my interest now. Now, yeah. because you have my attention. You had, yeah, you had, you my, had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. I mm-hmm. think it's, it's what I, it is. I, I mean, yeah. I, I think with any series like this where it has that many installments, it's a pretty low bar to, to you know, to clear. There's going to be a lot of you know, schlock. These, these 80s horror franchises, though, they were just shoveling, you know, sequels out for a while. Yeah. I, but... What they set out to what what they declared they were going to do here is say, hey, we're bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis and we're going to do three movies that really analyze this relationship between the two of them. And for two of those movies, they did that. Yeah. And then this movie, they just fucked off and did something else. I it's, disagree. But it's super right, weird. Let, let, and yeah, I, and I, well, spoilers. Yeah, I want to get to I want to get yeah. to spoilers. But I also want to say before spoilers that. I also think that the other thing they're trying to do was pretty poorly executed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Uh, and we could talk about that in detail in spoilers, but I, I think yeah. for my money, like even if, even if I grant that, hey, doing something different is, is interesting, and I do think in general that's the case with most films, the different thing they did here I think was handled in a, in a kind of rote, pat, not yeah. very interesting way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But let's dive into spoilers for Halloween Ends, starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... They're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. Let's just start with what I think is this movie's original sin right off the bat, right from the beginning. I mean, put aside the pre-title sequence, which is all, I think is great. It's like mm-hmm. a great sequence mm-hmm. and obviously sets up one of the main theses of the movie, as you said, Devendra, of like, if people think you're evil, does that make you become evil, right? And that's a, th- a theme we've seen in a lot of like criminal justice stuff, uh, you know, throughout the years. For sure. uh, and and I think it's actually pretty pretty well executed that that both the opening scene and also the idea of Corey feeling like this environment is suffocating him and like forcing him to um, into become a different person. At the beginning of Halloween in 2018, what do we know about Laurie Strode? She'd had this, she suffered this like horrifying attack in the original Halloween film decades ago. And as a result of that attack, she went, she became a survivalist. She like learned yeah. how to use weapons. She moved out to the Sarah middle. Connor in Terminator 2. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. Think of what has happened to Laurie Strode since that time. Okay? <laughs> yes. She's suffered two separate attacks mm-hmm. from Michael Myers. Daughter who, dead. by the way, is still at large at the beginning yeah. of this film. Yeah. And her daughter has been murdered by Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in response to that, <laughs> the character who was a survivalist at the beginning of Halloween uh-huh. 2018 is like, guess what? I'm going to move back home and live out in the open again. It makes I'm no gonna, sense. I'm going to be a grandma. I'm going to make some pies. 
I'm just going to have no security system in my house. It makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, the, the mm -hmm. thing is, it's weird because mm -hmm. we've set up this trajectory and it just goes, forget all of that. Yep. Here's this different character. Like if we had been introduced to Laurie Strode in the first remake Halloween movie in 2018, and this is where she was, that's completely different. But as you enumerated, Dave, that's not the... Mm -hmm. yeah. thing that we're, we're 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 building up to this climax to this mm -hmm. crescendo and it just goes throw out everything that we established i don't get it i don't understand I, that I, I think part of the reason i don't have a huge problem with this is because i didn't i felt that was very cheap doing that to laurie Strode. basically like somebody defined by her trauma basically living in a life in a, like a super secure compound right and her even her kids are like this has ruined our lives you know, like yeah. I, I, I've never really had a life because of what you've done. And to me, that gave Michael Myers so much power over her in a way like it to me, that felt like a weakening of her character. To, in uh, but yeah, but it, then it, that it, becomes the challenge that she must overcome. Sure, right. Sure. You don't just start the movie as her. She's like, I'm fine with it. My yeah. daughter was killed. I'm good. The, I mean, the, it's, but yeah, I agree with you, Devendra, that kind of the best, quote unquote, revenge in a situation like this is to live a life free from fear like that mm -hmm. that is like what we ultimately want in terms of overcoming trauma and from my perspective you know people can tell me if they feel differently but but that is the problem with the con the fundamental construct of a movie like this is in the halloween movies laurie strode's caution is basically warranted because he is still mm -hmm. out there he's still killing yeah. people right yeah. so you it, it, there's this tension of you want people to be able to overcome trauma and live normal lives like that that's a good positive message but also, all of their paranoia is justified because there's a freaking killing machine out there. And so it's like, yeah. that, there's a narrative tension there that I don't think this movie fully bridges. Why does the movie take this path, Jeff? It's because um, it, it has all these messages that it wants to say about um, contagion and about right. evil and about how evil can spread, right? Yeah. And so it kind of uses Laurie Strode as this prop to be like, okay, we need to get Laurie Strode to this point where she's like, Back at home and introducing her daughter to random strangers and her like granddaughter, yeah, her granddaughter to random strangers and like it's only be if she does that that this plot will work. Like yeah. it feels like they had a thing they wanted to communicate about evil and contagion, and they're like, we're going to manipulate the pieces of the plot to like right. or the pieces of the Halloween franchise to make that happen. That's right? why I call it the Rise of Skywalker of the Halloween franchise because it just it decides it wants to do this thing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the last two movies haven't wanted to do that thing, but now we're doing this thing. So yeah. let's just mm -hmm. reset the chessboard however we want to make this thing happen. The reason yeah. I push back against that is because we kind of know that Rise of Skywalker was a rushed production, right? That was we got we got we got this thing moving. We got a train moving. Oh no, the end of the track hasn't been finished. Uh, <laughs> let's let's just do a story there. Whereas David Gordon Green and his collaborators, including Danny McBride, which yeah. always is a funny thing to remind myself of. Um, I feel like they they had time, like they had time to shape this trilogy, and to me, it is of a piece with what uh, Halloween Kills did, which I didn't really appreciate at all. Like I agree with you guys, I think that movie was a mess, and also, sure, it had cool kills, but I don't, I don't, I'm not somebody who's going to. Hey, there's a frog in my office. I'm not somebody who's going to. <laughs> what? Just hanging out. Um, yeah, I'm not somebody. It's the ghost of Michael Myers over here. <laughs> I'm not somebody who's going to horror movies for like uh, I, I get enjoyment from visceral kills. I'm more like, okay, what 
what are those kills telling me maybe about character or story or something, you know, um, which is maybe also why I've been bored by a lot of the, the Halloween series too, because at the end of the day, it is, it's just one dude, man. It's just one dude. We gotta, we gotta do something about this one dude. Let's restrain him. Well, let's, uh, let, let's start doing something. And, uh, I feel like that uh, kills also disappointed me in that respect, but the overall message of what the series has been doing is first one, um, Sets up Lori. That is all Lori as Terminator. Second one is the society, the 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 group, right. uh, the group the mentality community. can also yeah. this can infect the group and also turn people evil. And then this one is like, what if somebody who is perfectly good and on a righteous path of life has this one accident and then society turns against them and then mm -hmm. their life is you know forever changed because of that too. So it it fits. It may not be, it may not be what we wanted to see. But I do mm -hmm. think it fits at the least. Yeah. I wouldn't call it Rise of Skywalker. It's just like something we didn't like the plan they had in mind. But I feel like there was a plan. Yeah. I just I, I see pretty, that pretty pretty compelling case, Devendra. No, I think that's a, I think you, that's well said. And, and yeah. you know, I saw that I was as it was happening to this notion of the second movie being about the you know the the community and then the community also uh, in the third movie, you know, turning this. By the way. Corey and Lori. That's what we're going with. We're going with Corey and Lori. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, turning Corey actually, into this yeah. monster. But but as it plays out, I kind of don't even buy it. Like, first of all, we have this weird conflicting situation of Corey for the first time finding someone that loves, that mm -hmm. potentially could love him mm -hmm. and care for him. And at the same time, he's turning to this darkness and finding michael myers in a hole in the ground somehow as like, you do you crawl through a sewer it, and you find michael myers i suppose but <laughs> first it, it turns michael myers into this weird abstraction for 90 percent of the movie which is very odd to me but i think it would be much more effective like the for me it, it rings hollow that the the same time that you are being drawn to the dark side you are also falling in love and finding a woman that that cares about you and sees you and wants to run away with you like those two things seem antithetical to me and he was doing that before though right yeah well i feel like he was he his i mean it tends to be the case that that loneliness and that isolation is what might turn you to uh you know this kind of violent dark behavior that seems more plausible to me than like oh he finally finds a woman who cares about him or is potentially you know interested in him once potentially will turn her back on this entire town and leave it mm -hmm. and he gets sidetracked into the into what i i just didn't buy his journey yeah. his transformation at all mm -hmm. like the movie doesn't mm -hmm. seed it in, in an effective way for my money at all and, and in fact it, it feels like it plays against any kind of plausibility in 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 that regard mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 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 what it's doing with the michael myers character just seems completely <laughs> bonker it just doesn't make any it's, it's sense giving to me him almost spiritual powers in a sense like uh you uh, you are imbued with my essence Corey. you may go murder now um I, oh, it's yeah, like it's doing yeah. a send-up it's like yeah. he's doing a send-up of reboot of yes. like legacy sequels where it's yes. like son yeah. of michael myers yes. you know it's mm -hmm. weird sort of like mm -hmm. that one, one thing i want to note though is that you know, the, the movie does give us a lot of examples of this society treating Corey like shit. In the one moment he goes and, like, 
lets loose and has a little fun with this one girl who sees something good in him. He's confronted with the wife of the you know child he killed, mm-hmm. and he rejects uh, the granddaughter. I keep forgetting her name at this point. I feel like her character is also really weakly written because yes. I have more of an issue with this man is clearly turning into some sort of like psychopath or some sort of like monster of a type. And uh, she's more like, I, I love him more now because of this. I will do whatever it takes. Um, but I do think like his turn, it's those, those a great group of like shit teenagers, you know, teen bullies just beating up this 20 something dude. Um, but like it is after he rejects the granddaughter, he's beat up by the kids, basically left for dead. Uh, he finds some sort of redemption. He finds some he finds something in in the spirit of michael myers and at that point the movie just just gets like magical or spiritual or something yeah he like fights michael myers to get his mask from him like what (laughs) what mine now um um allison is the name of the granddaughter allison yeah um yeah she she, i agree she's completely underwritten makes no sense i kept waiting for some like connection of oh i'm drawn to him because of the family trauma, and so yeah. that's how well, she, I saw she love. Does say, she does say that. She does say mm-hmm. that in the movie. But yeah, I, I understand. I, I understand it's more, it's more telling yeah. and not showing in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they do. They do at least acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, to me, this feels like some weirdness happened here with this whole storyline, uh, mm-hmm. guys. Like specifically the radio tower. Like there was clearly some subplot that was cut out of this movie because it, like why show the radio tower? Why has he at the top of the radio? There clearly was some kind of point they were trying to make about the radio tower spreading evil yeah. or something, but it just got cut from the movie. It's just not in the movie. There's so much um, made of that radio station. Like yes. the movie starts with the radio station. We're yes. constantly hammered with the radio station, yeah. and we and see the never... billboards of the radio station. Yes, and it's like of it. Yeah. Um, it's, I it's, do it's feel like that yeah. uh, that DJ coolest kill is... though. The cool very kill. cool kill yeah, very yeah, cool kill, kill. also yeah, like kill. meaningful in a way too in terms of like probably the second tongue we've seen uh ripped off this week dave um <laughs> but yeah th- this is good moment good moment um it it does speak to like the noxiousness of media right and like whatever that guy was putting out there and i feel like mm-hmm. we didn't get enough of that in the movie but right he would yeah. be the guy to be like michael myers is still out there lock your doors everybody uh he could he could be anywhere and like seeding yeah. that fear of the town would would be the thing going through the radio and going through the tower and everything i agree that that part is a mess yeah 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 um and I almost found it comical when Corey interacts with Michael Myers the first time because mm-hmm. he's uh, he's has that I guess it's like this like a hole cop basically yeah. that's yeah. down there right yeah. and he's he's like holding the, the cop down and he's like he says to Michael Myers like teach me teach me your ways <laughs> and it's like dude Michael Myers is not like a <laughs> yeah. super skilled kill- like his killing mostly uh, well comes you basically the- stab him with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, le- lesson one grab knife yeah. lesson, two, lesson two stab with knife find me wow. the penis really, down by the river yeah. really come a long way my pupil it's, it's There's so like great like mr miyagi like moment here going on it is it is hilarious it is ridiculous when he's like teach me your ways and then he, the guy like puts the knife in and he's like oh i see put the knife put the knife into the guy oh take the knife out again put it back in it's like okay wasn't right. that cop uh the granddaughter's <laughs> biological father i believe like granddaughter's father mm. that, that's what i was reading from it yeah, it, yeah, yeah he i didn't get that yeah <laughs> he um yeah cuz cuz he like introduces himself as her dad yes. almost. but like yes. but yes. like then he's clearly 
sexually harassing her, I thought, I like think later on. Like, hey, you don't want to have a relationship with your father? What's wrong with you? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He's I didn't a creep. Really, he's a, clearly a creep. Yeah, in yeah, many yeah. Ways. yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, but that... <laughs> I, I was like, mm-hmm. at, at every, every at every turn, I'm trying to like give this movie credit. I'm like, oh, it's kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool idea that like he's like infected with Michael Myers' evil, but then he's like, teach me, and I'm like, oh, this is so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then, so then he like confronts Laurie, and then Laurie yeah. kills him, and that's like a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. And then Laurie has a 15 minute fight scene with Michael Myers, and that's basically you the got whole it, thing. you yeah. got it, guys. Like yeah. I don't, I. We've spent so many movies of just watching Laurie versus Michael, Michael versus Laurie, back and forth, back and forth. Whereas this one is like, I feel like it kind of got to the point where uh, Laurie heard our review of the last movie. You know, it's just like, pin him down. He's a, he's a human person. Uh, just just start hacking. Just start hacking well, off pieces. You know? And, I mean, uh, nothing in the previous movies leads you to believe that he's just a human person. Mm-hmm. I guess you know yeah. what I mean. And even this movie is like he's he's vaguely supernatural or something. Yeah, yeah. So that was that rang really odd to me. Where she, her conclusion was he's just a man. It's like, mm-hmm. is he though? Because <laughs> well, just just try hacking off pieces. You could try hacking off yeah. the pieces and seeing if that stops him. You know, I mean, there's a, there's another version of this movie where it could have been. You know, we just watched a fantastic movie called Prey. That's about like one mm-hmm. character going after another. It's action packed. Movie yeah. the whole way through, right? Right. This could have been, you know, just a whole movie of Laurie Strode trying to evade Michael Myers and, you know, him causing carnage along the way. And that's yeah. what yeah. a lot of other movies have been. They're like, we're going to try something completely different this time. We're right? going to, we We've watched seen... Drive and we're going to make that movie in the Halloween universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. The other well, thing that doesn't make any well, sense sorry, to me. Jeff, what's, yeah, the, what about what's drive? the drive parallel? What's the drive parallel that you're referring to? I mean, he gets that motorcycle and she's just riding with him. They're just, they're just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, very like Rebel like, Youth. There's a, yeah, there's a whole bunch of movies like that. So yeah. weird. Yeah. I mean, there's more like heads getting caved in in Drive than there is in this movie. I <laughs> it's true. So if you're one. here for heads getting caved in, <laughs> I got a movie, <laughs> other movie to reference. But the other thing that doesn't make any sense to me, if what they're doing is like, you know, evil just changes form and moves. Like, why kill Corey? Why have Corey kill himself? Why? Why? Shouldn't Corey yeah, like that. walk off into the sunset with the mm-hmm. scarecrow mask but and be he, like? He says it. If if nobody can have uh, the granddaughter, like if he can't, have no, the I get. Yeah, then yeah. I get turns, why he turns, is a character. Yeah, I'm saying on a meta level, yeah, yeah. if the movie is saying like, oh, you managed to kill Michael Myers, but you didn't kill evil, mm-hmm. then have e- the new personification of evil persist at the end of the movie. You don't even have to make sequels with Scarecrow Boy, Corey the Scarecrow Boy, but you you could still. I think I think that's a more powerful message to say. Oh, hey, evil just changes form. We're never safe. It's just yeah. going to be something else. But no, it doesn't even. It just it, uh, it fumbles again, that ball. Again, it is. I don't disagree with you thematically, but it mm. is a bold move to just have that guy like yeah. off himself yeah. at, at the end of the movie. Like that's just like, oh, I didn't I didn't expect that coming, and it does fit in with the plot they've set up for that character. So well, explain to me what happens exactly because. He kills. He, he stabs himself with a wound that no one could recover from. Mm-hmm. But then he he comes back and puts his hand on Michael Myers. Le- like what's he? What's his? And then Michael Myers is like, "I'm gonna kill you," even yeah. though I had plenty of options to do that earlier. Mm-hmm. Like what? What even is the dynamic at that point? I, mm-hmm. I the movie's so muddled. I just don't get any of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah. more I like mean, it's you. Like... You have failed me, pupil. You know, yes, I gave, yes. I gave you one job. Yeah, I gave, I gave you one, one job. job. Don't stab yourself in I, the throat. I gave you, I gave <laughs> you the knife out. tutorial. Knife goes out. 
<laughs> knife, knife goes other in people, other person. idiots. Other people. <laughs> yes. That's just inspiratory. <laughs> and so having failed that test, Michael Myers is like, you can't, you can't fall. You're, You're not fired. worthy of falling. <laughs> You're fired. You're fired. Oh, man. That's so hard to find good pupils these days in the stabbing biz. I, I, I will say that when it comes to getting rid of Michael Myers, um, they did seemingly definitively do that in this episode. I cheered. There, I was there, cheered. There, there, yes. is a, there, is a, like, the... there is a TikTok account mm-hmm. that's literally – the whole TikTok account is just someone inserting objects into that machine. Basically, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Put, and then you seeing a terrifying like, machine, you seeing like if something, you know, like a car or a, yeah. a food truck or a food cart or something, you know, they'll yeah. throw this thing or an umbrella or whatever. And they just throw it in there and it just get crushed. And I'm like, you know what you're going to get next, though? Evil cars. Let's, let's go. Well, let's yeah, go yeah. Re- I find that yeah. machine terrifying because yes. all I can think of is like tripping and falling yeah. and, or yeah. putting your hand I, in I, there. Uh, I half yeah. expected him to like grab Lori and like bring her in yeah. at the oh, moment yeah. or something too. Again, like, uh, would have been cool. Uh, yeah. The the um, the uh, the only argument I have on the opposite it did wasn't there a um, uh, a uh, Friday the Thirteenth where they, they literally bring. Jason back from like a single molecule yeah, or something like yeah. that. Like, didn't I they mean, bring, didn't they like regrow or something? I, maybe I, I'm confusing that with Wolverine. A, I, uh, my, my esteem of the Friday the 13th franchise is far lower than even the Hollywood movie. So, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. they must have done yeah. that. Jason went to space yeah, at one point. Yeah. Seemingly, he's definitively dead. And I, you know, I was trying to think like what the whole time I'm trying to think like, what is this movie trying to say? You mm-hmm. know? And I do think Wait. that like the idea of, uh, evil spread like evil being spread or evil being caused by like Devinger, you put it well like this guy had this accident and it like changed the course of his life and like potentially turned him in a bad way mm-hmm. i i will say i think there's an unfortunate political parallel right now that's happening right now like in in the in the real world where a lot of people on the right wing are writing articles and saying like well it's because like you know people on the left look down on racist it makes them even more racist yeah. you know and i'm like yeah. I I do feel like there might be like a unfortunate Mm -hmm. parallel there of like, oh, you are like making people become terrible by treating them as terrible. My favorite is the narrative of of you were so bad to Mitt Romney that you created (laughs) Trump. That's exactly right. So Mm -hmm. so I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I I, I hope the movie is not kind of like leaning in that territory. But I think for the most part, it handles it pretty okay. The movie overall is pretty muddled. But I'm like, you know, I just hope we're not slipping into like. You know, that kind of mode. But anyway, uh, but the very end, it's like, this feels like the town can finally move on, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, and all it took was them grinding this guy's body up in this machine. <laughs> Which it should have done <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love the, 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 the sheriff shows up and they're like, this isn't how it's done. He's like, it is tonight. I do. I We're like grinding up a body. The whole, <laughs> the, the whole town. The whole town's like, oh, we've yeah. been waiting for this. Yeah. I like how they're like, are you sure it's Michael? It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure it's Michael? Because very few people have actually seen this guy's face before. No one's seen his face. We just showed up and there's a a, a dude strapped to the hood of this car. Fuck it. Let's grind him up. (laughs) But yeah, it kind of made me wonder, like, is this movie trying to say something about mob justice again is it trying to say something of like it like the the bloodlust of the mob must be sated somehow doesn't yeah. matter how 
It's, it's um, more but like, then, but then, before I could think about it, the movie ends. The, the movie ends. an afterthought. <laughs> but yeah. also, it, it ends on a happy note. I also feel like the catharsis for this entire town that's been terrorized by this, you know, unstoppable killer forever is like literally. You have to show him. You have to. Everybody has to go. Look, gone. Like, yeah. you, you have Fully to show gone. them all that he is dead, yes. and yeah. we all have to all collectively witness it. And now yes. we can move on with now our. We lives. can move on with our lives. Now Lori can have her little date with the cop, and it's great. I do like that that someone finally asked the question that every one of these kinds of movies needs to ask, which is like, why did you just move away from this horror town? Yes, and yes. she and her answer is. These are where all my memories are, Got too much which is the, here. the worst answer for a, that's the definition of memories <laughs> is you leave them behind and, and B like, if that was the case, no one would ever move from anywhere ever. You know, like <laughs> no. obviously your memories are where you've lived. That's, that's not an explanation of why you don't like they're mm -hmm. it's, it's a stupid, <laughs> stupid line. I feel like it is harder to believe in the scream town where more people die. Like more yeah. people die. A lot more people die. The, the, the first Michael Myers killing was like, what, five or six people? It's just, it was not a huge killing spree. <laughs> drop of the bucket. Drop of the bucket. Come on. You guys can move yeah. past that. Yeah. Oh, man. At the end of the day, I, I, you know, okay, here's an email we got actually from Danny T writing into slash from cast at gmail.com. Danny T? Um, no, Danny. And he, he writes, uh, in my opinion, the big swings the filmmakers takes here, a take here, miss disastrously. And yeah. they don't deserve any credit for taking a big swing for three Agreed. reasons. Agreed. Number one, in Halloween 2018, they established a solid understanding of the Haddonfield world, the characters, motivations, the messy nature of the franchise's legacy, by completely retconning every installment after the original movie. Number two, in Halloween Kills, they demonstrated a solid grasp of the idea that these movies and other slasher films are ultimately driven by the acts of one killer, that the style of the kills featured need to bear that killer's particular signature, and that the absence of a decent plot or the things by which we'd assess the quality of a movie in any other genre, more kills is usually better. Number three, Every inch of this trilogy, the marketing, the title, the things that Laurie says near the end of the movie, sells us on the concept that in this timeline, the central focus is Laurie versus Michael bringing their conflict to a final conclusion. That all goes in the bin in this film. By the way, bin yes. means trash for those who aren't familiar with it. Um, it's like going to a restaurant, ordering a pizza, and being served a flat, tasteless souffle. You explain that it's not what you ordered, and on top of that, not very good execution of something you didn't order. And they reply, <laughs> yes. yes, but at least we're trying something different and more complicated. <laughs> I think the big swings defense can be deployed in other instances. Perhaps it could even have been used in this trilogy of, or implemented in parts one and two, but not here. Love the show. Would love to get your thoughts. That's from they, Danny from Nottingham, England. Danny, bravo. You said it better than I could. Uh, that is exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, what I, I feel like the first two movies didn't take that many swings, but okay. Yeah. Well, he's saying that if they wanted to take a big swing, those are the movies to do it in. It, it sounded That's... more like those were the movies that actually took the big swings. I don't know. Well, yeah. I think he's saying that, yeah, the, the, the first two movies – have generated expectations for us that this movie did not fulfill, which is a oh interesting relationship between Laurie and Michael, which is almost completely ignored in this movie. Yes, like yes, uh, 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 no, like such an afterthought. Almost completely, there's almost nothing in this movie. About I don't. Them, right? Okay, yes. and then, so what the movie yeah. does give you though is Laurie working on her memoirs about being terrorized by Michael. Michael's on her mind the entire time. Lori introducing her granddaughter to this 
this kid seems nice. The whole town seems down on him. He turns into the second coming of Michael Myers, and only Laura, like Laura, is the only person that sees what's happening again. To mm. it is not directly yeah, 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 yeah. about yeah, Michael Myers. Right. But that, that, she is still that's engaging a good... with Michael Myers. Yeah, it's a good. That's a good connection. I mean, I will say that happens for like eight minutes sure. where sure. she is actually aware of it. Mm-hmm. And then like, no, she's trying to convince everyone. No, he's the evil. You know, yeah, it, it's I like not that. That's but yeah, you're 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 technically correct. So I have the, to the give you scene that. Yeah. in the house too, where uh, Corey just starts sleeping in the house where he killed the child. But Laurie's just in the back, just having yeah. this conversation with him. I thought was pretty. That was pretty, pretty good. baller that's pretty move. That's like she is can now we... like Jason Bourne level. Just like she she can come up on the serial killer, you know, say her thing and disappear. Right. Yeah. That right. was awesome when she was like yeah. knocking yeah, the chair knocking, in the back yeah. wall. That was cool. But yeah. can we talk about how stupid the scene is where she pretends like she's going to commit suicide mm-hmm. in order to trap him because. That's an effective bait. Like the guy wants to kill me. I know what I'll do. I'll pretend I'm going to kill myself. So he has to come in the room to kill me before I can do it. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, what am I going to do? Just not, not, not follow through. <laughs> I guess it gets the cops there too. So it's like it's it's another thing. Although the cops mm-hmm. seem to be taking their sweet time. Oh, uh, I mean the sweet cops time. are so helpful throughout this franchise. So I don't know if you I remember. Love, <laughs> I love the 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 line. I I need to report a suicide. Oh, okay, ma'am. Uh, thank you for the reporting of the suicide. No one's going to be like, is it you, maybe, that's suiciding? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, you know, the first film kind of establishes the Laurie-Michael relationship. You're right. They do address it a little bit. It's pretty half-baked, in my opinion. But anyway, the second film is like, okay, we're going to amp up the kill. Like, Halloween Kills has some of the most vicious, bloody kills yeah. in the whole franchise. Um, so it's like, oh, well, surely the third film will deliver on at least that front, but it really doesn't, you know, like probably what, like six people die in this whole movie. Um, and very few of the kills are particularly memorable. So anyway, there's the, the tongue one with the record player is by far the standout. Very good. Very Very good. good. And then I think blowtorch into mouth was was pretty good. But that's like, the camera just like peers back and like, it's out of it. like, you can imagine, I feel like you're better off imagining what that looks like because oof. I don't know. Well, at the end of the day, despite literally everything we yeah. have just said, we won't have to talk about a Halloween movie ever again. They're yeah, they, it, ends. it ends. And, ends. But it's still pretty impressive that David Gordon Green made a movie, a trilogy of movies, in fact. So that is going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from uh, Tim McCune from The Midnight. Check out his new band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast, we are going to be discussing Black Adam. <laughs> you guys see this like incredibly bizarre tweet that The Rock made this week? Uh, um, no. He, so... Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was, you know, obviously uh, very one of the biggest stars in the world, um, and was tweeting about uh, Black Adam, and and there's been a lot of questions as to like to what extent he is actually he, like he, the tweet basically came out as like as though he feels he is control of the DCEU right now. It's like, yeah, we decided to go in this direction instead of this direction for the, the DC universe, and it's like, are you like? Kevin Feige for DC now, or do you, or do you just think you are? Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm mean, very curious. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm sure he thinks he is at this point, and uh, who knows how that movie is going to go. I guess we'll see. Yeah, 
we'll find out we'll find out anyway uh that's going to be next week here on the film cast thank you so much for listening we'll see you later